Hello. Blog Talk Hello. Radio. Hello and welcome to Faith Walk. I am Deidre Dentz, and I first want to start off by thanking Bishop LaVon Breland with the Urban Glory Campaigns for giving me this opportunity and for giving Faith Walk the opportunity to be able to have a platform to reach people. I just want to start off by telling you a little bit about myself. Like I said, my name is Deidre Dent. I was born and raised here in Baltimore, Maryland. I was called into ministry at 16. I was a preacher's kid, and unfortunately, like a lot of preacher's kids, as I got older, I did leave God and I left the church. And so, so many years of being out in the world and so many trials, tribulations, and now what I call a rank of testimonies, thank God I'm not only back in the church, but I'm also back in ministry. So, Basically, what Faith Walk is about is we emphasize three points, the first point being conversion, release from strongholds, and wholeness. And when I say conversion, what I mean by that is so many churches today are teaching people that everyone is saved, everyone is going to heaven, and that's just, that's just not true. That's not what the Bible teaches, because if that's the case, there was no need for Jesus to ever die on the cross. There is repentance that's needed, and we also have to change our ways there are ministers, there are people of authority that have been, quote, unquote, saved 5, 10, 15 years, and absolutely nothing has changed in their life. The Bible says, by your fruit shall you know them. If there's no fruit, then you're none of his. And people get offended when you say that, but that's the word. It's no different than when we want to blood test. And if it's a negative, then he's not the father. <laughs> and that's the same way it works with Christ. We know each other by our fruit. The second point is being released from strongholds, a very important point, very necessary, because the Bible tells us to work out our own soul salvation and fear and trembling, sins and the weights that easily beset us. It's our responsibility to go after those generational curses, those addictions, those habits. Now, granted, when we do accept Jesus, there are certain things that fall off immediately. However, there are things that don't. Those are the things that we must go after. We need to turn our plates down. We need to seek God on our faith for those things that are coming against us because that's why you have so many people in positions of leadership and authority that are fornicating, that are committing adultery, that are addicted to gambling, pornography. You're operating and you still are bound and you still have strongholds in your life. And then the third and last point is wholeness. And what I mean by wholeness is you're fully delivered, you're clean, you're now in a vessel, God is able to use you, you're now able to intercede on behalf of others. And you can now walk in victory and have success in every area of your life. So conversion, release from strongholds, and wholeness, all three of these are the faith walk. So that's just a little bit of background on what faith walk does, just emphasizing that so that we can be complete in Christ. Tonight, I will not be with you long. Uh, we are coming from the book of Matthew 14, Matthew 14, 24 through 32. This is a story of Jesus walking on the water. Many of us are familiar with this. This is when we actually witness the miracle of Jesus being able to walk on the water in the storm. Now, a miracle is defined as an event that's not explainable by natural or scientific laws. Basically, we can't figure it out. We're limited in our understanding. And it kind of reminds me of insurance. You know, if your roof is torn off because of a tornado, the insurance company will say to you, well, that was an act of God. You know, we don't know how that happened. Sorry, you're not covered. So it's something that can't be explained by the laws that govern us on the earth. And that's one of the reasons I love science, because science really just confirms who God is. Now, our earth and this universe 
are governed by what we call the scientific laws to try to help us tame it. What I mean by that is we have laws of nature, such as the law of gravity, matter, light, these things we do not, we cannot override these things. So God basically has these things in place, and we and ourselves cannot override them. No matter how high I jump, gravity is going to pull me back down, okay? I can have all the faith in the world. I can go on a seven-day consecration. I guarantee you if I jump off a cliff, I will not fly. I will definitely fall. So even time, we are bound by 24 hours in a day. I'm not a fan of daylight savings time. I feel like I lose my hour, but if I decide one day I'm not going to abide by this and I'm going to wake up an hour later, the world is not going to stop for me. You can go to work an hour later and see what happens. We don't have control over these things. So what is the point that I'm trying to make? My point is that we're limited. We are extremely limited. We are restricted and we are governed by these laws. But the benefits and the hope that we have is that we can be connected to a source that is unlimited and unrestricted. So while we continue to make permanent lifelong decisions based on our limited visions and abilities is basically insanity. Now, we know the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We know, and we are full aware of that, we know we can't see into tomorrow. We can't even see into the next 60 seconds, yet we worry about something that we know absolutely nothing about. We ask for things that we think are good for us, only to find out that it was never what we thought it was. We know this, and we do it over and over again, expecting a different result. So our limitations are really blessings because they cause us to rely on God. We are forced to accept our boundaries and acknowledge his sovereignty every time we have to ask for help for guidance or for faith, our faith is the link from our limitations to an unlimited God. But the only way we can access this is to believe it. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that he that cometh to God must believe that he is. But that's just the first step. First Peter tells us our faith will be tried with fire. It's going to be tested. Everything is tested. Talk is cheap. How many times have you dissolved relationships because people said one thing and they couldn't do another? I can say I'm your friend all day, but when you ring my phone in case of an emergency and I don't want to answer you because I don't want to be bothered with you, what kind of friend am I? How many relationships didn't work out because we thought that person loved us and when it was time for rubber to hit the road, we couldn't find them? Just like in school, anything that we're taught, we are tested on, and God really is no different. So our faith is going to be tried with fire. It's not enough for you to say, I believe. It's not enough for you to go to church and, Lord, use me. My life is not my own. You have to prove that you believe. And in Matthew, Peter's faith was put to the test. So we know that fire is the best way to purify gold because it literally burns up all the impurities. So our impurities, which is our fear, our doubt, and anything else that would block our faith, is what has to be tried. When we are put to the fire, everything that holds back from believing and obeying God will be burned up until the only thing that's left is faith. This is why our trials are necessary. In order for us to grow, we hear that, but when we run away from trials, you actually run away from your growth. When you run away from hard times, you're also running away from elevation. When you run away from failure, you run away from promotion. Job 23.10 tells us, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth his gold. 
the key word is tried me. We all have to go through the trying process. We can't escape it. In this chapter, the disciples are on a ship. They're in the sea. They're doing a storm. And if you know anything about a storm, you don't want to be in the water. (laughs) So it's bad enough there's a storm going on. The ship is being tossed with the waves. And having your ship tossed around because of the intensity of the wind and the waves is completely terrifying. So they're on this boat. They look out, and they see a figure on the water. Now, Jesus decides this is going to be a wonderful time to show his unlimited abilities to a group of limited believers, to show them that through faith, they can also access the realm of unlimited possibility. See, a lot of times, God will allow the storms in our lives to get so bad so he can show us how bad he is. So when they see him walking on the water, they cry out in fear. And Jesus had to tell them, okay, be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. Because he knows that fear and faith do not coexist. Your fear, your faith. That's why we know the scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. So he said, do not be afraid, because as soon as you are walking in fear, you're no longer walking in faith. So Peter says, okay, Lord, if this is you, let me walk to you. You know, we say it all the time. Lord, send me, I'll go. If you are who you say you are, send me, prove me, use me. And he was actually able to actually walk on the water. So Christ overrode our laws of nature, and what the disciples witnessed was a miracle. Now, as Peter began to walk, he saw something, and he heard something. He saw winds. He heard the winds. He saw the waves. Jesus didn't stop the winds so Peter could walk. He allowed him to walk in spite of the storm. The storm did not cease because God is more concerned with teaching us how to function in our storm than he is about stopping the storm. We pray for God to have our managers and supervisors treat us a certain way when he's trying to show you how to function through your adversity. Sometimes we even pray for financial increase. That's not always the answer because if you're wasteful with food, you'll be wasteful with a lot. A lot of times what we need is discipline because we see multiple stories of Jesus multiplying. He can blow on anything that we have and turn it into a lot. The question is, are we obedient with what we have? But so many times we want God to make the people in our lives and the situations in our lives listen to us and go the way we want them to go. When God is trying to get us to listen to him and go the way he wants us to go, okay? So now Peter's out here. He's walking on the water. And now he's focusing on the storm. Never mind you that he's walking on the water now, which is a human impossibility. He's in this miracle, but he's distracted. He's distracted by the winds. He's distracted by the waves. And now he's afraid. He is failing fear. And fear is crippling. It's crippling because it's the opposite of faith. Faith says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love to quote that scripture. Fear says, God ain't coming through for me and neither is anyone else. It is the exact opposite of how we live. Now, we know the just shall live by faith. So if fear is the opposite of faith, who are you giving your direction to? Who are your eyes focusing on? So it's one thing to say I have the faith for such and such, because a lot of times we feel like faith is situational. When it's really not situational, it's a lifestyle. It's not a name it and claim it, hokey pokey overnight, that's the house I want. In Jesus' name, God doesn't operate like that. He's not a genie. He doesn't work for us. Faith says my bills are piling up, and I have to choose between gas in the tank and food in the fridge, but I know, 
you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Fear says, let me go out here and do something I know I'm not supposed to do in order to get what I need because it's about me. So it's, just, it's not situational. It is a lifestyle. Sometimes we even choose our situations on what we want to believe God for, on what we want to have faith for. So we can say, God, I trust you that I'll have a full fridge because David said, you know, he's never seen the righteous forsaken on his seed begging bread, but I'm ready to be married now, and you don't know the type of spouse I need, so I'm going to go find him. Or, God, I trust that you'll heal my body. I've seen you heal people before. You're a miracle worker. By your stripes, we are healed. But when it comes to my teenager, God, it's more important that I become their friend, not their parent. So it really all boils down to do you or do you not have the faith? And are you willing to trust him in every area of your life? Are you able to trust him when you don't get the job, when you don't know where your child is? When the doctor says to you, I'm sorry, but there's nothing more we can do for you, that's the test. Those situations are our fire created just for us to burn up our impurities of fear until there is nothing left but faith. So now we're looking at Peter's focus shift from Christ to the storm. He was in a present state of a miracle and allowed the physical to distract him and pull him back into his limited reality. Oh, how soon we forget. God paid our bills last month, but are you going to do it this time? You know, my daughter, when she was three, she had this little big wheelie, and she would ride from one side of my mother's driveway to the other. So she was able to get her balance, and she was getting better with So she was confident. So she comes up to me. Now, my mother lives on a very busy street, very busy, highways and everything. So she comes up to me, and she goes, Mom, I'm ready to ride my bike across the street. Straight face. She was serious. And I just said, because it was just so cute to me. But she was offended. She was upset. She felt like I was holding her back. And in that moment, it just deepened my understanding of my relationship with God. Because, see, we tell God, I'm ready for this. This is what I need. This is what I want to do. And then when he doesn't give it to us, we get upset. We get offended. We act like he's holding us back. But if you just give her time, she'll get bigger, and she'll be able to first look both ways before she crosses the street. She'll be able to cross on a red light, but she can't do that at three. But the same way children will be upset with us when we know what's best for them is the same exact way we do God because we really don't trust him. That's why we have to realize that our life doesn't belong to us. It's not our body. It's not our life, our family, our children. The sooner you realize it doesn't belong to you, the sooner you can stop fighting God because he does not work for us. He's not a genie. You know, he's not on our payroll. It just doesn't work that way. So for Peter, he's out here. He's on this water. He's looking. He's distracted. He starts to sink instantly. The first thing he cries out, Lord, save me, because he knows. He knows better. He knows he messed up. He knows he's fallen. His faith is gone. He recognized his focus was on the wrong thing, and the fear that distracted him was the same fear that caused him to sink. Because once you acknowledge and you give attention to the fear, your faith is instantly gone. The very second we lose our faith is the same second we start to sink. And as we sink, we are overcome with troubles and trials and the cares of this life. But Jesus, being who he is, reached down, and he caught him. And he said, oh, thou little faith, where, where didst thou doubt? Why are we doubting God? Where are we feeding fear so that it can grow to attack our faith? 
you know, I'm not a fan of horror movies. It's just never been my thing. But I know a lot of people are, even Christians, just like to be scared. You just like something to jump out at you. The haunted houses, the Halloween, they just love fear, not realizing that at all times you are feeding something. You're either feeding your flesh or you're feeding your spirit. And the flesh and the spirit war against each other. So you're sowing seeds of fear, and now these seeds are growing and they're sprouting up in areas of your marriage, and now you're not trusting God with that. They're sprouting up in areas of your job. Now you feel like your security is at risk, and you don't realize that you're not the one taking care of yourself. You don't trust God for that. You don't trust them for your children because you're doing something in the flesh, and now you have to reap that. We have to be cognitive of what we're putting into our spirit. We have to be careful of the things that we're watching, the things that we're listening to, because at all times we're eating, even when we don't realize it. So we have to examine the areas of our lives that we are feeding fear so that it cannot try to attack our faith. You can't try to have all this faith in the world and I walk by faith and not by sight and I'm healed and I'm prosperous, but you feed and fail on this end because you won't put down something that God told you to put down. You, you can't have it both ways. Philippians 1, six says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. So this faith takes us to the very end until you close your eyes. That's the end of your faith. See, we're so imperfect and unreliable that we have a hard time accepting that God is perfect and reliable. We, we're used to dealing with us and people like us that, we forget that God can't lie. We forget that he is faithful. And I know what failure feels like. I know what it feels like to listen to God, to be obedient, and still don't get the results that I prayed for. But I'm also here to tell you that he's faithful. And when we accept his will, we accept every storm that is created to perfect us in his will. When we accept this and we accept that this life doesn't belong to us, we can relax and we can trust him. We can put the blindfold on and trust that he won't let us fall because our storms are inevitable. We can't get away from it. He's not going to cause those storms to cease. We got to pray the right prayers. It's not always, Lord, move this mountain. He's not always going to move the mountain. But you have to have the faith to believe that you're going to get through the situation that he put it in because these are the prayers that we pray. Oh, Lord, burn me up, make me more like you. And then when it's time to do that, you can't run. So because our storms are inevitable, we can't walk on the water until we focus our attention on Christ. So I just wanted to encourage you. I just wanted to give you a quick synopsis of what faith walk is. Faith from the point of conversion, repentance, and being whole is going to take us from earth to glory. It is all based off of what we can't see. And that is all I wanted to share with you tonight. And I'm going to close in a moment of prayer, Father God, in the name of Jesus, asking for forgiveness of sins or anything we've committed against your will by word, by deed, and by thought. God, we pray that you would increase our faith, God. We pray, God, that we would have the faith, even if it's the size of a grain of a mustard seed, that you would multiply it, God, that you would strengthen us, God, because we know it comes by hearing in hearing the word of God. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your loyalty. We pray, God, that we would not feed fear. We pray, God, that if there's any area of our life that would keep us from hearing from you and being obedient, God, that you would show it to us and remove it, God. And we thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. I told you it wasn't going to be long. Uh, we will get more into the conversion because there are steps, and it's important that people understand 
what conversion really is. I don't hear it preached as, as much as I used to growing up back in the day. People have gotten away from conversion, and they're more in prosperity. And until you write, you can't speak nothing into your life until you get yourself right. So we got to deal with conversion. We have to deal with release from strongholds. People are suffering. Demons are real. Addictions are real. And and this is what people don't want to talk about. We're going to get into that. And then lastly, the wholeness. So this and whole entire faith walk, I pray that it blesses you. I pray that we all reexamine ourselves because none of us is better than the other. I have to fight my flesh daily just like you do. I have to keep it under subjection just like you do. And I pray that we can all focus on the areas that we need to strengthen our faith. And I pray that you all have a blessed night. All right. Bye-bye.